All right now, you're listening to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I'm your host, Bronin, just a fed up taxpayer bringing you all of your Texas local and national news. Welcome to the Real Texas Radio Podcast. I am Bronin, your host. Thank you for tuning in to another episode, or if you are just joining the program for the first time, 1,000 welcomes. Please ensure to like, follow, subscribe from whatever platform you're listening to. Catch me on Twitter, RTR underscore Bronin. And I'm going to get into a number of topics today on the show, but I wanted to start off with vehicles, with passenger vehicles, which those of you who have been following the show, you know I have a lot of negative things to say about passenger vehicles. And in the last few weeks, I noticed there were, in my neighborhood, many cruise autonomous vehicles driving around. And cruise is an outfit of General Motors, I believe, Chevrolet, And these cruise autonomous vehicles, they have been on the roads, I think, for a few years in other cities. I know that Google has been doing the same. Apple, maybe at one point, has also had autonomous vehicles out in the road. Obviously, Tesla's got autopilot, and they have limited that, or they have placed restrictions on that for individual users because of some high-profile cases. Namely, I think there, there have honestly been one or two cases of a death, which, uh, of course, it's a tragedy when anybody dies, but the response to a death as the result of an autonomous vehicle, I find to be rather strange, considering the record that human drivers have, particularly in the last two years. So these cruise vehicles, haven't seen them very recently. I saw many of them around for maybe a week or two, But it's my understanding that as soon as there is an injury, a pedestrian injury, the fleet is pulled out of the city. So, for example, if there were 500 cars driving around and one of the cars hits a pedestrian and the the city, I can't think of the name of it, which city it was right now, but I think there were two injuries in this one particular city. No fatalities, but injuries. And the conclusion or the preliminary conclusion was that these cruise vehicles are having some trouble detecting pedestrians. Now, my reaction to that immediately is my daily experience crossing the street to go to the gym. If I if I go in the morning, it doesn't matter what time of the day I go, it's always a, a scary situation. And I used to go to the crosswalk that was most convenient, but it doesn't have a traffic light or it doesn't have a stop sign or anything. So it made it, in my opinion, the most dangerous. So I have been now walking a little bit further, getting those few extra steps in, and going to the crosswalk with traffic lights. And even still, it's, it is shocking the amount of close calls that I have. Y- you need to look always. And I can't help but think that these autonomous vehicles, the response to one autonomous vehicle one time out of 500 getting into a collision with a pedestrian the whole fleet gets pulled and 
all we do with human-driven cars is promote them and celebrate them and sell more of them and sell them electric and sell them hybrid and and finance more new electric companies and more and more and more and more and more and we we're building more and more highways and it seems like most infrastructure plans they almost completely neglect pedestrian traffic in favor of human driven cars and so it's it's so insane to me it's just it's so nuts when it's very clear that many human drivers, perhaps most, while they're behind the wheel, they have so many other things they prefer to be doing. And I make it a point, you know, I I don't have any hard data on this, but I anecdotally on a thoroughfare in Dallas at any time of day, whether it's early in the morning, I think now if I am crossing that street mid-afternoon, the early side of drive time, if I take a late lunch, it's even worse. I see people with dogs in their lap and they're paying attention to the dog and they've got a phone in the other hand and the car is accelerating at 15, 20 miles an hour and the attention is on a dog and a cell phone. For most people, it's the cell phone, whether they're looking at the GPS or whether they're texting, whether they've got the steering wheel being driven by their knees whatever the case, but it is, it's so scary. And I've mentioned this statistic many times on the show. In 2022, there were 46,000 fatalities on highways, just on U.S. highways. That's not even talking about the surface streets that I have just given you some examples of scary driving. And there are always stories in the papers in Dallas and the local news about deaths that aren't on the highways but on the surface streets related to vehicles there are over well over 300,000 severe injuries including severe burns and traumatic brain injury that the victim has to deal with typically for the rest of their life that are also related to highway deaths the interstate 75 that runs through basically the middle of Dallas, the middle of very central Dallas, that has got to be one of the most dangerous, scary highways that I've ever been on. And yeah, I I remind myself how fortunate I am not to have to be on that road on a regular basis. So I'm just making the point at how out of whack responses are and how disproportionate responses are when you've got 500 or 1,000 autonomous vehicles and they produce one injury to a pedestrian and then all of a sudden you have to scrap the program. And even though there was a 20% increase year over year, 2022 from 2021, even though there was a 20% increase in just highway deaths by human drivers alone, the response is the complete opposite. The response is more cars, more cars celebrating the record profits, the the record car sales, the record prices, the record interest rates that it costs to be able to purchase, to finance a new vehicle. And a lot of this celebration of vehicles, aside from the corporate pressure and the corporate marketing, 
is this mentality among a lot of humans, it's like their goal to never have to walk again, to reduce walking as much as possible. And I was crossing the street today. I was just going to the grocery store, crossing the street in a crosswalk. But again, a crosswalk that doesn't have a light. I've got no options here really in this situation. But it's a, it's also a turning lane. So in theory, the driver, whoever is making this turn and is going to be crossing this crosswalk, potentially you'd slow down. You might yield to the pedestrian in the crosswalk. No. So it, often, and, and when I am crossing, it's like the first part of the, the crosswalk does have the light, so I wait for the, the, the man on the screen to cross, and then the, there's a second part, like a third of the walk there where I've got no light. And so it's not like the traffic can go anyway. There's, t there's typically a traffic going in the perpendicular direction. So anyway, this guy, it, he sees me, makes eye contact with me, sees that, I'm, that I have approached the crosswalk that I'm about to cross. Handicap sticker in the window. You know, that's always, that always gives me a lot of confidence in the driver. And well, let me put it to you this way. I could tell that this gentleman, that he had long since retired from walking. I'd say it's been a long, long time. If if perhaps ever in his life he's done any walking. And so, yeah, he just, he stops right in the middle of the crosswalk and sees me, doesn't care, moves along. And so th this is a, that's a pretty typical human response, handicap, placard or not. So, again, let's think about this, folks. We want to, it seems like the goal is to have autonomous vehicles. We know that Uber and Lyft would love to be able to get rid of all of their drivers and not have to ever pay any payroll to contractors. We know that's, that is definitely the future for them. And so that means that we have to have these autonomous vehicles. And obviously, we're talking about a very complex situation here. So I'm not saying that we need to just rush them all out into the roads, rush them out across America. But do, do you think that if there were that if, if there were 10 million autonomous vehicles on the road right now, and it's my understanding that the technology is extremely sophisticated, particularly the Tesla autopilot, but do you think if there were 10 million of these autonomous vehicles out in the street, do you think that they would be producing figures like 46,000 fatalities, highway deaths per year, and over 300,000 severe highway injuries like burns and brain damage? And, you know, this, I, I hate, uh, I'm not a philosopher. I never got into it at all. But these stupid philosophical, moralistic choices, this, this is one that always comes up when you're talking about the autonomous vehicles. Well, what, you know, what if, what if the autonomous vehicle has, there, there's a fork in the road and over on this one fork, there's the baby carriage that rolled down the stairs and it's going to hit the street and, over on the other fork, there's the old lady in the middle of the street, and they've got to make a decision right or left, and someone's going to die, and oh, oh, who's, who, how can you leave that up to the computer to make that kind of a decision? Wow. Well, if, yeah, if only, 
If only humans were so considerate in their decision making. So what do we do? Well, first, we need to get on the same page. It's my belief, and this is supported in evidence, right? I, I was just reading an article today about how in Dallas, we have a streetcar, a more contemporary streetcar that runs from downtown, one part of downtown, into the Bishop Arts District. Fairly new. I think it's been around in the last decade. And then over in the uptown to downtown area, West Village, we've got the traditional streetcar. And that is free, and it's very cute, and I think it has a lot of character and charm. And sometimes it's it's pretty heavily used. Tourists definitely use it, but it's used for other purposes. But it's pretty limited in its reach. And so the Dallas City Council and DART, they're considering now how to link these two streetcar lines. And I, I was looking at the maps that were in this article, and a hundred years ago, there were, just like in cities and small towns across the United States, there were streetcars that were electric, electric streetcars 100 years ago. They were everywhere. And they were all over Dallas. And they connected, if you wanted to go cross town, uptown, downtown, you wanted to go south, you wanted to go west, didn't matter where. The whole central areas of Dallas, they were connected by streetcars. And so then the car manufacturers come along with their intense marketing, and they get everybody to believe that they need their own private vehicle. And all the streetcars go away. Do you want another 10, 20, 30 million vehicles on the road in the U.S.? Do you want the population to be doubled in, in the next half a century? Or I, I, I didn't do my research on the population growth, but presumably in 30, 40, 50 years, it's going to be tens of millions more. Do you want, you want that many more cars on the road? Is that what we need? We're just going to keep expanding the highway lanes? What are you going to do about the surface streets? You know, I was just... In Durham, North Carolina, I'd never been there before to Durham. And you know what? Instantly, I found it to be a really charming city, really nice. And I'm trying to compare it. And in my head, when I first arrived, I was like, you know what? This is like a very mini Austin. And I know North Carolina is obviously still the South, but it had a, a bit of a Northern vibe. I was still, it seemed like it was drawing in a bit of the New England vibe and maybe all of the factories, the the tobacco factories that were there, there's all kinds of memorabilia preserved, like the big Chesterfield sign, and there's a Lucky Strike Tower. And a lot of these have been converted to offices or co-working shared spaces or apartments, of course. But better than knocking down and just putting up the, the corporate apartments, the big rectangles that are all look the same with the same earth tone paint don't worry there's plenty of that going on there as well and durham it's gotten very expensive in the last few years it's a research area that the research triangle they call it raleigh durham and what chapel hill i guess duke university is in durham obviously one of the top universities in the country there are a, a ton of historically black colleges in north carolina shaw university is in raleigh and I, I couldn't help but notice that so many of the streets downtown are, they're two-lane streets. And the traffic 
downtown was very mild. And I, I was there for a number of days, and I, I was able to observe the traffic in the morning and the rush hour later in the day. And it was very mild. I was getting dropped off and picked up a few times, and sometimes the driver would just stop in the middle of the road, and there was nobody behind him to let me in or out of the car. And I'm thinking how what kind of a nuisance and headache you'd create if you had pulled that in Dallas, for example, somewhere, or Boston, for example. So anyway, Durham, North Carolina, very charming, lots of coffee shops and restaurants and bars and it it seems to have a lot of diversity as well so i I was deeply impressed with durham but i wonder what what are they going to do when they're they're building all these apartments the area it's building and growing and building and growing and the main highway there is a two-lane highway for a lot of it uh, getting to the airport so is that going to just be the plan that you're just going to add another well in the next 10 years it'll probably grow i don't know 50,000 residents you want to have 50,000 more cars driving around that nice cute little town and that it can't that can't be the plan that sucks that's not sustainable and and just the expense of a car i can't even believe it i see people they're all nice, bougie apartments around me. I live in an older building, but a lot of the, I, I assume there were a bunch of A-frame houses around, old condemned homes or just not even worth trying to rehab. So you just knock them down, convert them into townhouses. And the the people living in them, younger people, they're in their 20s. They're the prime of their lives. They're having fun. They've all got trucks, BMWs expensive cars and they're renting and i i guess a lot of people end up moving around a lot different states different cities they don't want to settle down so but it's just nuts to me that you would get into a financial relationship with the fifty sixty thousand dollar vehicle and you don't even have a piece of property yet and basically that vehicle nowadays is i just read it's it's very common for a typical car owner to be spending well over a thousand bucks a month yeah of course it is i don't even know if that includes insurance that might just be the payment forget about gas and repairs anyway i'll wrap it up on this subject but i was flying back from durham landed at love field in dallas and i was taking an uber so the rideshare area it used to be right out the front door basically the airport you just went out right out of the baggage claim and there was the ride share and I didn't think it was a, a problem at all I always thought even congested still things move pretty quickly there it's a busy airport but it's not huge basically you know it's a one terminal airport so anyway the ride sharing has moved to the garage at I guess garage B and so usually what I do when I get off of the plane I immediately, I'm, I'm plugging in the Uber in case it's going to take him a few minutes. I, I can walk pretty quickly. And so usually I'm out once, by the time I am out in the gate area, it's not five minutes and I'm out in the street. So I usually, I booked that Uber right up. So anyway, I did the same. I waited, but there was a note and it said, you know, the rideshare area has moved. 
it's now in the garage B, and it looks like you're a little bit far away. So uh, Uber can be, they can be pretty savvy about getting those messages up. I, I like that. And you know what? I will give a shout out to Left Field. They were very well signed. They were very well prepared. Airports, in my opinion, they're notoriously terrible at signage. They, it, it is, they're so out of whack with their signage. It, you know, if you're trying to tell the Uber driver where you are, there's nothing is numbered. None of the doors are numbered. It doesn't tell you what terminal you're in once you go outside. It's they're notoriously awful and so confusing. So I really appreciated it. it was well signed, but I would say, I you know I wonder now if I'm exaggerating, but at first I was thinking I would say half a mile walk from getting off of that plane over to the garage B, which that's fine because. Uh, you know, I'm not one of these people with, uh, you know, with three bags, three wheelie bags. And, you know, I, I the only time that I ever walked, you know, I put myself in a situation to have to fly on a plane and so I'm going to have to walk. So th- the walking part is fine, but it, it did take me a few minutes to get over to that garage B. I was really surprised at the distance. It was easily a third of a mile without a, without a bat of an eye. It was a third of a mile, but I think it could have been closer to half a mile. And they have those moving walkways. And I I will get on them if there's nobody in front. But if if I have to do the excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, you know, you got somebody not paying attention. And again, with their three bags and taking up the whole thing. And, you know, they got the headphones in and just, you know, living their best single life. So forget that. I'll walk around. But the i i can't imagine anybody with a if you are disabled if you do have a wheelchair or anything like that i don't know what their plan is to get all those people over to the ride chair but i will say once you get over there it's a lot easier they've in love field they have organized they've created space for the ride chair drivers like they have in better organized airports like austin the austin texas airport so Anyway, I let the driver know. I was texting him because he had arrived before I did. I said, I'm sorry. Didn't realize the distance it was going to be. I'll be right there. So I think that's all the show I have for you today. I said at the top of the show I was going to get into some other topics, but now I've been running my mouth here for over 20 minutes. So I, I think I will wrap it up. Maybe next time I'll talk about the the speaker embarrassment it continues now into the what second third week fourth week i guess the speaker battle occurred before israel the the basically suicide pact that the republicans have taken apparently to ensure that they they apparently many of them would rather have a democrat speaker than they would rather just pick somebody go throw all the names in a hat and pick a name out how about that throw all the names in a hat and pick out a name why don't you just do that at this point? You know what? They they get me so frustrated. But you know what? These politicians, they will do anything than look at a, a tax cut for anybody making under $150,000 in between fifty and one hundred fifty. because much lower than that, and you're probably eligible for every single freebie that there is. So anyway, I am Bronin. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Real Texas Radio Podcast. Catch me on Twitter, RTR Bronin. 
RTR underscore Ronan. Make sure you like, follow, subscribe from whatever platform you're listening to, and I'll catch you on the next episode.